in this episode of 2036, the podcast. Emory students are increasingly concerned about big global issues, the state of the world, climate, sustainability, democratization, political discourse um, unraveling in our society, and, and also identity and making sure that people are seen and, and included in conversations, not excluded. At the end of the day, an Emory education, a liberal arts education in particular, gives students a lot of resources and tools to solve those problems holistically. And what I want to see happen over the over the course of the Pathway Center involvement in students' experience is that they're using their education to actually solve some of these problems so that their own uh, experience can be really fulfilling. And sometimes the personal goals of our students, the professional goals of our students, the answers to those questions are actually their classmates and the networks that the classmates bring to those experiences. Welcome to 2036, the podcast. My name is Munir McJohnny, and I will be your host. Today with us, we have Brandon Grimmett. He is the Vice Provost for Career and Professional Development and Associate Dean in the College of Arts and Sciences. He came to Emory in the summer of 22. Grimmett has held career development positions at Tufts University and Harvard Divinity School, and has held leadership roles at St. Olaf College and Loyola Marymount University. He launched Emory's Pathway Center in fall 22. Grimmett has a BA from St. Olaf College, a Master of Theological Studies from Harvard Divinity School, and a Doctor of Education from the University of Southern California. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're launching this Pathway Center at Emory. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly your vision is for the Pathway Center and why it's so necessary right now? Most college students today know what education is, but a lot of students don't know what career means, and mm. it's really incumbent on the university to teach that to students. And so the Pathway Center will be bringing together all the elements that represent how students can translate their liberal arts education into all the things they need to do to prepare for life after college, internships, research, study abroad, also competing for national and, and postgraduate fellowships. So all of this is really to make sure that our students are taking what they're learning in the classroom, translating that into tangible skills that employers want, that graduate schools are looking for, and to really make sure that our students understand that there's no daylight between what they might be learning in a liberal arts course and what it is that the world needs from them. So that's the first objective of the Pathway Center. I think the second is to make sure that those that are recruiting our students can do that easily and, and without a lot of hurdles, right? And so how do companies that come from the corporate world or the nonprofit space or government agencies easily interface with Emory and to find the best and brightest talent that's out there? We've had decades of students graduate from Emory be very successful out in the real world, right? Why is this important now? I think it's important now because the landscape has changed in terms of how students get recruited and how we prepare them for life after college. There's a lot more competition. Frankly, there's a lot of universities out there that are trying to make sure that their students are seen as uh, different and unique in the marketplace. Emory has a great educational proposition. We've got the best faculty in the world. We've got amazing research facilities. We've got incredible scholars. So we need to be a little bit more bold in how we tell that story to employers and recruiters. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a lot of activity that has to happen to get students ready for for postgraduate life, but not all of that is going to happen in the classroom. So helping students understand that the connections they're making with their fellow classmates and faculty, that's networking. They don't have to be afraid of that. That's actually something to be embraced and it helps them to understand how do I actually pitch myself to an employer if I'm a, an archaeology person or if I come from a philosophy background. I think there can be a lot of misunderstandings about the kinds of students that employers are looking for. And the good news for Emory students is that everything they're learning in the classroom are the things that employers want. They actually prefer liberal arts graduates over professional grads. And I think what you're saying is so important, especially for people of color and immigrants, right, to understand this. I remember in college having a friend who comes from a very wealthy family 
who would find networking and asking for things very easy, where friends like myself would find it almost not just daunting, but something that was rude and, and not appropriate. I think it was in the book Never Eat Lunch Alone that kind of talked about how this societal exchange worked, right? Where people from lower income communities and often people of color, when they give something, they need it back fairly immediately. Where other folks who are wealthy may give you a dollar today and then 10 years later ask you to hire their son-in-law as the CEO of your company. How do you change that mindset? Well, I think the mindset has to be changed by relationship building. You know, a lot of our students who are coming from uh, underrepresented backgrounds, whether it's first generation, need to know that there are people that have gone before them that have been successful. Mm. But I would much rather that those students learn the lessons through the alumni story than having to repeat some of those hurdles and obstacles unnecessarily. So the way we're going to be doing that through the Pathway Center is making sure that we don't just connect students to other individuals that are in the industries that they want to work for. We need to find and locate our alumni that are working in those spaces that have overcome adversity to land there, and frankly, to make sure that we've got change makers happening, both on the alumni side of things and also on the student side of things. The other piece is we want students to know that this word professional and fit does not require that they become someone wholly different than who they are when they come to Emory. I want every Emory student to know that they are good enough to be here first and foremost. We've admitted them, and so they need to believe that. But secondly, that they can continue being who they are and formed and shaped by the Emory experience as they transition both through college and out of college. There's a couple things that are important to talk about in that transition. The first is that students are going to be trained to better understand the corporate culture of what they're looking for, right? How can they find organizations that align with their values and their belief systems? But more importantly, they're going to encounter all the same things that we encounter every day in our world, discrimination, not getting the promotions that they want. How can they continue to decolonize spaces around them and use their every education to advocate for more change, not just for themselves, but for their classmates and for the companies they work for in general? And especially with, you know, over 160,000 alumni worldwide, I hope those connections can be very robust with folks that we're connecting them, especially with folks who've walked the exact same path that they have. So kind of building on that, this intersection of personal and professional growth is definitely a growing concern, right? Folks are so concerned about how am I going to make money? How am I going to pay back my tuitions? How am I going to do all these things? that often they forget about the personal side of things. So how can we help students at Emory or anyone who's listening to this really find a balance between those two things? Well, I think the first thing is for, for students to really think about what is it that they enjoy doing? What lights them up? What gets them on fire? For some students, it's going to be things that are academic. It might be their course of study. It might be a particular activity that they're doing outside the classroom. But for a lot of our students, they're coming to Emory because they have a concern about the state of the world currently. So Emory students are increasingly concerned about big global issues, the state of the world, climate, sustainability, democratization. Those big problems can be solved in various ways. They can be solved from a technical standpoint, looking at data science and big data. They can also be solved in personally through relationship building, through understanding cultures and societies and where we come from as humans. At the end of the day, an Emory education, a liberal arts education in particular, gives students a lot of resources and tools to solve those problems holistically. And what I want to see happen over the course of the Pathway Center involvement in students' experience is that they don't have to sell themselves short. They can still have these really personal commitments that they're looking forward to investing in, but they're using their education to actually solve some of these problems so that their own experience can mm -hmm. be really fulfilling. And I should also mention that all of the things we're going to be doing with the Pathway Center are not going to be 
focused on individuals. They're going to be focused on communities, right? And so as we help students understand this transition from high school to college and college to either grad school or employment, we want them to know that there are many people, you know, not just in front of them, but to the sides of them that have expertise, that have networks. And sometimes the personal goals of our students, the professional goals of our students, the answers to those questions are actually their classmates. Yeah, I think that's so true. So often I walked away from Emory not realizing how much of a network I've built, right? And throughout the years, whenever I travel to a different state, different country, I always look up my friends from my classes who've been there, or if I'm applying for a job, I've been very fortunate that almost every job that I've applied for has been through a connection, but not everybody realizes how important that is. So, you, you talked a lot about Emory students really focusing on this holistic, larger-than-themselves goals in life, right? State of the world, politics, all these things. And so often, folks may graduate with a degree that doesn't directly correlate with that. How is it that this liberal arts education really prepares them, or doesn't maybe, for what they're going to kind of do in the world? You know, for me, I think it's really about understanding that all of the job postings that students see does not require a particular major. They're not even looking at the departmental level. Employers are looking for skills. So the gap with an Emory education is how do you get from being a QTM major or an anthropology major to understanding what skills can be articulated from those degrees and so that we can actually speak the language of employers, right? So the Pathway Center is there to help translate a lot of this. And we've been having a series of really interesting meetings with department chairs and administrators in those departments to talk about the common language we need to be speaking so that students from the moment they land on campus here can start shifting their mindset from one of curricular identity around major and minor to one of skill building that's going to be critical for being competitive in the workplace, right? And so students need to think about a couple different things. The first is that that major is not necessarily a direct line to a job or a career. But I think more importantly, all of our students are going to have some deep knowledge in their major or in their minor, but they also are going to benefit from that breadth of knowledge that comes from a liberal arts background. And if you look at the top companies in our country today, if you look at the the C-suite leadership of those companies, by and large, those leaders are liberally educated. They came from the same kind of culture that our Emory students are coming from. The reason that's the case is because in order to solve big, systemic, complex problems that are not just plug and play, you need to understand critical thinking. You need to understand how to build relationships. You need to understand how to speak fluently to people of different backgrounds. And that's exactly what a liberal arts education Emory prepares students for. Let's talk about the elephant in the boardroom. Oftentimes that C-suite, while they may be liberally educated, is often a white cis man. It can be hard for individuals of people of color, of women, of first-generation folks to find their voice translating that. For Emory students, alums, or whoever's listening to this podcast, what would your tips and tricks be of how does someone go about doing that? We recognize that we don't just have to defer to what employers want or how they've been operating. We actually have a lot of power as a world-class research institution to dictate what we want our students to be walking into in terms of the corporate culture. So we are building relationships with companies that our students are attracted to, but we're not stopping there. We're also reaching deep into those companies, building Emory networks within them, identifying alumni that work there so that they can create space and open up space for our students, especially Mm. those that come from underrepresented backgrounds. I think the second thing is to model for the students what this looks like. It's not enough just to research the corporate culture of the company, to understand its core values and to hope for the best. It's really important for 
students to learn. How do you self-advocate, right? If you're going into one of the big tech firms and you're a woman, especially a woman of color, mm. what does it mean to ask for what you think you're worth in terms of compensation? And how do you do that in a way that doesn't alienate the people on the other side of the table? That is an art and it's a skill that can be taught. We don't need to leave that up to kind of happenstance. I think the final thing is to just take advantage of the moment. Right now, every company I can think of is also concerned about the things that Emory students are concerned right. about, which is how can we have the best and brightest people around the table making decisions from a business standpoint, but to make sure that the voices representing those decisions are diverse and come from all pockets of the consumer base, right? And so I think that's another thing that Emory can be really strong on, which is that we have an increasingly diverse student body. And so I think part of it is making sure that we connect them to alumni that have been through that experience themselves. So a couple of years ago, a spotlight was really pointed at the education system. And there was this big debate about the ivory tower versus reality, right? And often it was seen as seeking education just for the sake of education versus also making sure that you can take that education and translate it, like you're saying, to pay your bills. Today, we've talked a lot about professionalism and how we can do that translation, but how do we make sure that we don't overcorrect and still encourage students to find their personal voices, still encourage students to seek out different classes that are difficult and have nothing to do with perhaps what they think they want to do in the rest of their lives? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to really ask a different question about what comes after college. A lot of students unnecessarily burden themselves by saying, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, mm. right? The question doesn't need to be, what will you do for the rest of your life? The question needs to be, what will you do next? Mm. And the next can be next semester, it can be next summer, it can be next year. But if you boil the question down in that particular way, students can actually see a little bit further than they think they can see. And how will the Pathway Center help connect those dots? What we're going to be doing, to your point earlier about ROI, is not thinking about just salary and how much students make when they graduate. We need to think in an inverse way, which is what are the financial barriers to students even accessing pathways, events, mm. and opportunities in the first place? So we are in the process of raising money, but also identifying existing funds to allow a student that finds their dream internship, secures that on their own or with the help of the Pathway Center or faculty or alumni to be able to say yes to that internship. Mm. Most cases, in order to say yes to that, it just requires a couple thousand dollars per student. And I'm looking forward to a day when Emory can commit to every student admits that we can support them financially to break down those barriers so they can access the things outside the classroom that are experiential. That is how we change the game in terms of equity on our campus. And it's also how we change the pipeline issue that a lot of the companies are faced with right now because they want to hire diverse talent, but they're having trouble finding people that have the experience to be able to do that successfully. And so these things can come together, I think, in a really fantastic way. I love that you are focusing on that because so often internships, unfortunately, can be a point of privilege. And it's so often overlooked that they are, but they're also such stepping stones into a larger, better job as well, right? So we're talking a lot about student flourishing at the high level, right? It's part of the big campaign for 2036 as well. What does student flourishing mean to you? Student flourishing to me means something more than just the surface level success. Some of our students are looking forward to that, but I would say the vast majority of students when we think about flourishing means to what extent are they leveraging the full power of the institution that they're enrolled, mm. right? For those that are paying their own way to come to Emory or whose families are supporting them, they need to get the most out of this education yeah. while they're here. So the way to think about 
student flourishing is not just to focus on the outcome of an Emory education, but really to focus on what happens while they're here, which is how do you navigate this organization? How do you know where to find resources to help support your own professional aspirations and goals? So everything we've been talking about today, whether it's the Pathway Center programming, the way we're connecting the dots with employers and alumni, or even the funding opportunities that we're providing to students, that's all a part of the puzzle of how we help students flourish. And at the end of the day, the flourishing is probably less prescriptive list of what has been accomplished and more of a feeling actually. When students graduate, do they feel like they had a good experience at Emory? Would they recommend Emory to their friends and colleagues? So a lot of what student flourishing also is, is kind of reflecting back on our years, right? So as an alum of, you know, so many different universities, what advice would you have given yourself freshly graduating from college? I would tell myself to not worry too much about the future, to invest in myself, to make sure that I'm leveraging all of the resources that I have at my disposal. I would also tell myself to pay attention to what other people say I am, right? What do I like to do? What have I enjoyed? What am I good at? Oftentimes the career discernment process, students mistakenly think that it's a cerebral process. The only way students get to clarity around their career is if they actually take some action. And that action might be reaching out to alumni to know a little bit more about their path. It might be talking to friends and family to reacquaint yourself with your own kind of self-interest and your goals and perspectives. But I think at the end of the day, I would have told myself, you don't have to have everything mapped out. But if you're not leveraging everything that you have right in front of you, that is something that you can control and something that you can increase. And so when I talk to students about their career plan, I remind them that the plan is them. They are the plan. And so as long as they're investing themselves, thinking deeply about what they're committed to, not selling themselves short, not compromising on their beliefs and their values as they enter a professional space, and most importantly, thinking about those big global issues that they want to solve and how their education can do it, all of that is something I would have loved to have heard Mm. 20 years ago. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. We really, really appreciate your insight and all the work that you're doing here at Emory as well. And for those of you listening, I hope you will take away that it's important not just to invest in yourself, but to show up as who you are, no matter where you are, and that it will be all okay. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thank you. 2036 The Podcast is developed and produced by Emory's Division of Advancement and Alumni Engagement. Season 2 was directed by Ben Nisley and produced by Darren Miller, Hannah Hope, and Subhan Day, with episodes edited by Roland Jordan, Ben Nisley, Subhan Day, and Rihanna Celestina. To learn more about 2036, Emory's campaign to transform the future, visit 2036.emory.edu.